the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The message this morning is knowing our true identity. Our text is taken from Acts chapter 4, and uh, we're focusing on verse 13, but I'm going to read um, uh, verse 12 this morning. And I want you to listen to the words of scriptures this morning, and I want us to start meditating every time we hear these words uh, from the Bible. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love those words. But when they saw their courage, the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Uh, one of my favorite action movies is this movie, and I think I might have shared this before, is this movie called The Born Identity. And pro uh, it's probably true because uh, I'm probably not the only one who saw this movie because there were like five or six sequels already. And it's about this man who had amnesia. And he didn't know who he is. And the whole movie is about him discovering who he was and who he had become and who he is. He suffers from amnesia. And so every time... Uh, he encounters trouble in his life, we get a little bit of a glimpse of who he is. And, and the movie was smart enough to go and take us through that journey, you know. There in this one scene where he was sleeping uh, in, a, um, in a park somewhere in Germany, these two police officers came up to him and tried to wake him up. And as soon as he woke up, he got up and he started speaking in German. And then... After a while, he, he starts speaking in English. And the, the two officers got suspicious, and they tried to arrest him, and that was their mistake. Because the moment they laid a hand on him, he began to disarm both officers, got rid of their clubs, got rid of their weapons, unloaded the guns, dropped them on the floor, kicked those two officers on the ground, and walked away all in a span of about 10 seconds. And the movie went on about revealing his identity slowly but surely in the encounters that he had, in uh, the situations uh, that he faced. And the clever thing about that movie was that the audience is led to the true identity of the character through the various troubles and dangers that he encountered throughout the movie. Every time he responds to trouble, the audience gets a glimpse or a clue to his true 
identity. And I love that movie because you know, if you're if you had been a, a you know as a kid, you know you you always imagine yourself as as that kind of a, a man. You know, every man's fantasy, right? When I was a kid, I wanted to be an FBI agent, but I ended up working for BFI, you know, the garbage collection agency instead. And I could never have gotten that job in the FBI because I'm bad with directions. How can you be a detective when you can't even find your way around? <laughs> How people reveal something about them is somewhat of an obsession in our culture today. Wouldn't you agree? The kinds of clothes people wear these days is an attempt to show people something about who they are. Uh, the advent of social media uh, gives a forum, a platform for everyone to express their views, express uh, their personalities, say to people something about their character, all in an attempt to reveal something about themselves, to give people a glimpse of their identity. Our political affiliations can also be an attempt uh, to show the world our views about society, about culture, and about the economy. Tattoos <laughs> are getting you know even more popular right now and depending on the context of the culture you're in you know it identifies you with something you can be either identified as a gang member an ex-prisoner or just an all-around cool person in our society today our names our names give us something about ourselves Something that people can identify about ourselves. You know, in many cultures, names have meanings. I in the Western world, you know, most names are either Christian names, you know, the John, the Pauls, and all of that. In some other cultures, it's, it's the names are based on whatever religion uh, they possess. So names are an identifiable uh, mechanism that, that people associate with, okay? So uh, names are very important. How, who, who you are, what your name is, identifies you and marks you forever, especially with celebrities this day and age. You know, celebrities change their names because they want to be identified as someone else or they want something to be identified with. See if you can guess who some of these celebrities really are. I'm going to mention their real name and try to guess who they are in real life. The name Krishna Pandit Banji. Do you know who that celebrity is? His name is Sir Ben Kingsley. Famous actor. What about this one? Georgius Panayutu. Who's that guy? Anybody know? That's right. If you guess the singer, the late singer George Michael, you're right. What about this one? Karen Johnson. Karen, C-A-R-Y-N Johnson. Do you know who she is? She's Whoopi Goldberg. And this is a strange one. Terry Jean Bolette. Can you guess who this person is? That's right. He's Hulk Hogan. Terry Jean. Last one. Isur Danielovich Dembski. Can you guess who that celebrity is? He just passed away 
His Hollywood name is Kirk Douglas. So names identify us, connects us to other people. So let me ask the inevitable sermon question this morning. Would people get a glimpse of your identity as a child of God through faith in Jesus? This is a sermon, so you know you're going to get asked that question. Can people identify you as a follower of Jesus by the way you live, by the way you handle yourself? What difference does your identity make when you're dealing with the struggles, the challenges, and the pressures and the issues of life? You know, it's, it's sad that even in today's contemporary Christian culture, it seems like so many are so eager to be identified with the world. You know, so many, so many Christians wanted to be identified with what the world is doing. I mean, it, they're trying to, to take what the world is doing and try to brand it as Christian. It's supposed to be the other way around. The Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity before God. We are to be distinct. We are not to be influencers of the world, per se. We're not supposed to see what the world is doing and then Christianize it or put our brand on it. We're supposed to be distinct. The Bible says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who are called to declare the praises of the name of God. We are to be distinct. We need to be distinctly different. Should we as Christians be identified with the world? Absolutely not. Should we be distinct from the world? Absolutely. People should know we are followers of Jesus. It shouldn't be a question to people. People shouldn't really even ask the question. Okay, We should not have any identity crisis <laughs> in our lives. We shouldn't have to work on our identity. It should be visible. Because a hundred times in the New Testament and 83 times in the writing of Paul, he used the word in Christ. Those two words are the most powerful identifying words for a Christian. The Bible says that we are in Christ. In Christ, the Bible says we are what? We are new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 In Christ, we are created to do good works. Ephesians 2.10 In Christ, we will be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15.22 In Christ, we are free from condemnation. Romans 8.1 In Christ, we are reconciled to God. Ephesians 2.13 In Christ, we are free. Galatians 2.4 This term so identifies us with, 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 with Christ that it shouldn't be an issue anymore. So what characterizes our identity in Jesus Christ? How is it revealed in our life. A couple of points this morning. You know, when you get to this Sunday sermons, you're always going to get three points, right? Easy to understand, easy to follow. How do you know that your identity is in Christ? Number one, 
your life is simple but full. The first trait of a person who is identified with Christ is that that person, you and I, our lives are simple but the life is full. Look at verse 13 again. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were ordinary. They're they're simple people. One of the first impressions that the disciples, after receiving the Holy Spirit, the disciples um, exhibited, the impression the disciples exhibited after receiving the Holy Spirit was that they, their lives was simplified. They were in complicated situations. There's no mistake about that. We as Christians, we live in a complicated world. We face complicated situations. Amen? Amen? But our lives are not complicated. It should be simple. The work of the Holy Spirit, part of the work of the Spirit is to simplify your life and mine. You know that the Spirit has filled you. You know that the Holy Spirit is working in your life when you realize that your life is being simplified. Your life is being refocused. You're being focused. This morning, there, there are many, many goals a person can have in this life. But a person filled with the Spirit of God, who's a follower of Jesus Christ, is geared towards that simplification of life. The Holy Spirit helps us. He's our helper. He helps us simplify our lives so we can project the power of Christ in a very complicated world. As Christians, we need to yield to the Spirit's simplification process of life. And some of you are saying, well, you know, I, wanna, I, I, I don't want a simple life. I want a complicated life. A complicated life, sim- you know, it seems to be more fun, <laughs> more challenging. And it's a twisted kind of a way we think. We think that, that our lives are more colorful if it's more complicated. That's not true. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, you are looking at simplify your life, making it less complicated. You know what Hebrews 11 says, Hebrews 12 says? It says, get rid of all the barriers that get in the way of your race. Do you know that we are in a race? We're in a race toward eternity. And Scripture tells us time and time again, you know, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Get rid of all the things that easily causes you to sin, easily causes you to stumble and fall. Get rid of all of those things because you are in a race. And if you're carrying too much baggage, you're not going to be able to run that race as, as quickly or as, as, as smoothly as it's possible. Philippians 4, 11 to 13, Paul gives us, another identifying trait of a person who's following Jesus. Look at verse 11. Look at what he says in here. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, Paul says. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have, to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. What Paul is saying here is life does not have to have everything in it in order for it to be lived out in the best 
most satisfying way. You don't have to have the highest paying job. You don't have to have the most expensive things. You don't have to have the perfect marriage. You don't have to have the perfect family. You don't have to have perfect children. You don't have to have everything that life has to offer. But you have to have the satisfaction of knowing that you are in Christ. I mean, that's what Christianity is all about. Okay? To be able to say my life is good, you don't have to go and covet everybody, what everybody else has. And I think we understand that in our mind. But in our hearts, we think, okay, if, can, if I can only have this or if I can only be at this level in my life, I'd be so satisfied and so content. You can't have contentment and I can't have contentment or satisfaction unless the Holy Spirit is simplifying our life. Focusing and reconfiguring our desire to focus on Jesus. Now that's that's too religious for me, Pastor. That that's 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 just too much. I mean, I can't handle too much of that stuff. Well, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. You're not supposed to handle it. You're supposed to allow the Spirit of God to work that in and through you. That's the point of being here this morning. Paul is saying, I don't have to have everything. I know what it's like to have a lot of money. I know what it's like to have no money. I know what it's like to have success. I know what it's like to fail. I know what it's like to be in plenty, to have plenty. I, I know what it's like. To not have anything at all. But I can do all things through Christ who simplifies things for me. He becomes my strength. He becomes my power. Our identity in Christ is not revealed by our situation, but by how we respond to them. And the word here is contentment. It is when we can say, I am where I am right now. And through Jesus, I can make it. You know, sometimes in our relent relentless pursuit of the good life, we often complicate our lives. You know, it's the opposite of contentment. The opposite of contentment is complications, okay? So if you don't have complications in your life, you're moving towards contentment, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Sometimes in our pursuit of wealth and success, we forget that we were made for heaven. How many of you all this morning, you're not made for earth. You were made for heaven. You know, this world is passing, but heaven is for eternity. You know, I get in trouble when I say that to a lot of people. Think, you, you know, your, your mind is always focused on the afterlife. Why can't you focus with what's going on here on earth? Have you been focusing on what's going on around you lately? <laughs> if you and I are not made for heaven, you'll be focusing on what's going on. And you know what? It's going to complicate your life. You're, you're going to lose sleep at night. You're going to go and worry about whether you're going to have a job tomorrow. You're going to worry about what the, the next problem will be. We're not called to sow our seeds here on earth. We are called to set our minds on things above, Colossians says that, where nothing can be stolen from us. Luke 12, 15, Jesus said this, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. That's not my words. That's not the words of any of the disciples. Those were the words of Jesus. 
And we'll be good to listen to this. And, and then again, Paul in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 10. Listen to the words of Paul. He says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into, and, in, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, every time you say that to people, people automatically respond, Well, you know what? Why is God anti-wealth? No, he's not anti-wealth. He's anti-people who focus on wealth and not focus on him. If you're a rich person this morning, first of all, if you're rich, you probably shouldn't be in this church this morning. This is not a church for rich people, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, if you are rich and you're not content, you're in trouble. If you're poor and you're not content, you are in bigger trouble, all right? Because you're already poor and then you're not content, for heaven's sake. Your, your, your life is so complicated, I don't know if anybody can help you out of that mess. The point of the matter is, the scriptures is very clear. It, it, it doesn't mince words. It's in black and white. Okay? It's not the wealth that messes people up. It's, it's focusing on Jesus while looking to the left and looking to the right. I've been, I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm horrible with directions. And I get distracted. One time we were driving from Queens, New York to Washington, D.C. I was driving. Everybody in the car was sleeping. And I find myself, I mean, we, we went there on a, just a beautiful place, I guess, in the fall. It's just beautiful. And you know what? I look to the left. And you know what? Yeah. You're driving. You're looking, you're looking everywhere. You're not focusing on where you're going. And what would have taken, you know, maybe a four-hour drive. We've been driving, you know, it's been seven hours. That's what happens. We get derailed. Then things become complicated. Because then your wife wakes up. And then all trouble breaks loose. I leave it at that. How about in our personal lives, in our relationship? Are your relationships complicated? Is your marriage complicated? It reveals a lot about identity in Christ on how we're dealing not only with those close to us, not only with those we love, but how we deal with people in general. How would people describe you? How would your boss describe you? How would your co-workers describe you? Can they identify who you are? What about the person who's lower in rank? How would they view you? Loved ones, we have an identity to reveal to people. It's part of being a Christian. It's part of our witness. We are revealing something of ourselves, our identity to people constantly, every day. The moment you step into the car and drive, you know, that you, you get to be identified. I don't want anybody in this church witnessing to a CHP officer, okay? And I know I say that a lot, but it's a warning. It's a loving warning. If you've been witnessing to the cops more than you ought to, they're seeing something in you that is inconsistent with that sticker that says you love Jesus. Amen? What about your wife, your husband, your children? 
Do you have a complicated relationship with them? Don't we try? We try to simplify everything because there's nothing worse than having a complicated home life. Amen? It's tough. I, I, I understand that. It's tough because especially with somebody like me who preaches, those people who live with me, they know who I really am. You know? You can say amen to my sermon, but some of the people in my house, namely my wife and children, you know, they're not saying amen all the time. They're saying, hey, man, more times than amen. Right? Because they know you. They know who you are. Okay? But one thing I'll never be in front of my family is different from where I am right here. What you see here is what you're going to get. Okay? They know my kinks. They know my problems. They know everything about me. And I want you to know my goal is to simplify all of that, to make sure that the focus is on Jesus.